in the hospital all all week. We finally got to go home Friday, late Friday. Um, but thank you guys for uh, just all the prayers and, and calls and texts and coffee some of y'all brought and, and breakfasts and, and, and other meals that, that you guys uh, provided for us. I know I said breakfasts and that's not a real word. I know. Um, but thank you guys so much. Um, you know, I don't know what people do without a church family. It's so good. If, if you don't have a church family um, and you're here today, why not here? You know, why not? It's just, it's just, it's so much better to go through things with a church family, yeah? Just to have uh, people that, that, that you know love you and, and, are, and are praying for you and, and, and praying for, and getting people they know to pray for you. And, and just, the church is really amazing. The church is an amazing thing that, that Christ set up for us. Um, and I know that Melissa and I are just so... Uh, proud to be a part of this one and, and thankful for you guys. So uh, thank you each to each of you guys for, for your love this week. Um, last night we got a call that Melissa's dad was going to the hospital. So he's in the hospital right now um, with probably a heart attack. So uh, he'll have a, a procedure done tomorrow. But um, but just continue to pray for him, if you will. Um, that's where Melissa is this morning. And then... Paula was great, great, gracious enough to watch my kids this morning. So she's at my house watching, watching our kids. So, um, you know, it's just great how the church comes together, um, supports each other. I'm just, um, just overwhelmed at, at, at the church. And so thank you guys. Um, so this morning we are we're going to be in Daniel chapter 12. And we've come to the end of the road for this Daniel study. Uh, some of you guys are like, ooh, thank goodness, I'm ready to get on to something new. Others of you might be like, ah, but I want more Daniel. You know, well, there's not a chapter 13, so it ends today. We're going we're gonna to actually squeeze in a lot of material today. This will be a lot of, um, a lot of this I'm, I'm just going to give you references for and not going to say a whole lot about. I really probably should have split, split this up into two or three sermons. Um, but instead, I'm just going to give a, more of a broad, a broad overview, and we're going to finish up Daniel this morning. Uh, next week, we're going to uh, start into, um, into Philippians. So um, be in prayer for that this week. Read through Philippians this week. It's four chapters. It will probably take you ten minutes to read. Read through it a couple of times just to get you kind of amped up for this, this series. Uh, spread the word. It's a good time to invite somebody because it's a new series so they can get in uh, on the front end of a series. Sometimes it's hard uh, for visitors if they're coming in on, you know, Daniel chapter 10 or 12. Um, so, but we, we want visitors at any time. But, but next week will be a really good week uh, just because we're starting a new series. So um, next week also we're going to, uh, I'm going to have Courtney come up and, and share with us a little bit about Operation Christmas Child, which we'll be doing this year, and that's the shoebox ministry. Um, so I'm really hoping we can probably double or more what we did last year. I think we did like 22 boxes or something last year. Um, but we'll, I'll let her share about that next week, um, and so we'll get that ministry going. But uh, but today we, we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 12, and... Um, 
I'd like to start by just standing together and reading through this chapter and then opening it up in prayer. So if you will stand with me and we're going to just read through chapter 12 here. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on the river bank, on this river bank, and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the water, waters of the river, when he, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be one thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the one thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. But you go your way until the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Right, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word this morning and and so thankful uh, for inspiring Daniel to write these things so that we we can know what to look forward to in the future. Uh, We can have hope for the future, Father, um, and we can be aware of the the devastation that's coming in the future so that we can be better witnesses for you, Father. Um, Lord, as as we open your word this morning, please just... Speak through me the words that, that the people need to hear this morning. Um, and just open our hearts to, to your word. Um, I just pray that, that you would help me to speak with, with clarity and, um, and that hearts will be convicted uh, where, where that conviction is needed this morning. If there's one person that doesn't know you as Savior, uh, Father, please don't let them leave here without a relationship with Jesus. And I ask all these things in his Precious name, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So like I said, this chapter could very easily be broken up into a couple, maybe three sections. 
Um, but we're going we're gonna to try to avoid all the minute details today, and we're going to give more of a broad overview of several concepts that are going to be happening during the end times that we see here in, in Daniel chapter 12. So remember that there's an angel talking with Daniel. He's been talking with Daniel since uh, chapter 10. Chapters 10 through 12 are kind of, they go hand in hand here. It's all one revelation. Um, and this is the final part of that three-part revelation. And so far the revelation has been very disturbing. It's been very dark. It's painted a very bleak picture uh, for the future of Israel. Um, He's told them of, of much persecution and much, much devastation that's going to come upon the nation of Israel. Of course, Daniel's writing this in the 500s before Christ. And so all of this is future to him. Some of this is past now to us, uh, but all of it is future to him. And he's seeing all this devastation that's coming, coming upon his people. And he's, he's a little bit overwhelmed with all of this. Um, and in chapter 12, we're finally going to get some good news. Uh, so finally, uh, Daniel is going to have a revelation that, that, that has some, uh, some good news and some hope for God's people. Uh, but before we get to that, the chapter starts by saying, at that time. So uh, what time are we talking about here? At that time. So we're talking about the same period of time that we were just talking about in chapter 11. So when we were here a couple of weeks ago in chapter 11, we were talking about uh, the, the final, the, the tribulation period. Right? We were talking about that, that rule of Antichrist, that last three and a half years of his reign where there would be great, great tor- uh, turmoil on the earth and where there would be great persecution for God's people. That's the time that we're talking about here in chapter 12 as it, as it opens. So uh, we're going to break this, this passage into, into a few different sections here, uh, starting with verse 1, and the first section is going to be the tribulation. So if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the, the first little section we'll talk about is, is the tribulation. And that's verse 1. It says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. So <clears throat> we see that, that this verse describes this tribulation period as a time of trouble that has ne- that the nation of Israel has never seen before. Now, when we think about that, that is a, that's a pretty bold statement. When we think about the nation of Israel, uh, this is a people who has an absolutely horrid history, horrid history of, of persecution. Um, you know, one passage that always alarms me when I, when I, when I get to it is 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. And, and in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's, there's, there's such a bad famine in Israel because um, there's an army that surrounded the city. There's such a bad famine that these, these two mothers decide they're going to eat their children. You all remember that story? And, and they're like, oh, I, you know, I told this, this woman that we would eat, we would eat uh, my son tonight, but then we're going to have to eat her son tomorrow night. And you're thinking like, oh, my goodness. You know, what devastation Israel was going through at that time. Can you imagine anything worse than that? I, it's hard to imagine anything worse than that. We talk about... Um, the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes, which we've talked about at length here in this Daniel study, um, where he outlawed Judaism. Judaism was illegal, and he murdered um, hundreds, thousands of Jews 
during his reign um, over Israel. And you think, you know, could it get any worse than that? And then we think about the Romans and their power over Israel. And we think about A.D. 70 when they destroyed Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. And it says, Josephus writes that 500 Jews were crucified every single day. 500 Jews crucified every single day. They chopped down a whole forest to make crosses for those people. How, how could it get worse than that, Lord? Worse than that. We think about the Holocaust. Hitler. We're all much more probably familiar with that. Um, you know, Hitler killed six million Jews, just slaughtered needlessly. And we think, how could it possibly, God, get any worse than that? Well, this time that the Antichrist will reign, this will be a worse time than any in, in, in Israel's history, in the world's history. Um, that is saying uh, quite a lot um, for the nation of Israel, and it's really hard to imagine. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, um, calls this period the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble, that's the tribulation period. Um, Jacob, of course, the father of Judaism, right? So we know that this, this tribulation period has everything to do with the Jewish people. It's very Jewish. It has, it has a lot to do with the Jews, and we've talked about that as well. Um, but, but it's the time of Jacob's trouble uh, described in Jeremiah. Zechariah says that two-thirds of the Jews will be killed during this period. Two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. Jesus also referred to this period in Matthew 24, and he, he referred to it as, as a period of tribulation unlike the world has ever seen. So even Jesus himself uh, referred to this, this period. And, and, and this world's seen some pretty rough stuff. Nothing worse than what's coming um, in that, that final three and a half years of the tribulation. See, the Antichrist is murdering all Jews that he finds. He's murdering all that, that uh, don't worship him, basically, even if you're not a Jew. Um, meanwhile, God's wrath is being poured down on this earth. So it's kind of a, a two-edged sword, if you will. Um, God is pouring out His wrath on this earth, and those events really are detailed in Revelation 6 through about 19, those chapters. If you want to read those chapters, um, I read them yesterday. They're very, it's actually a very quick read. Um, it, it won't take you long at all, but that, that details this, this wrath that's coming from God, from heaven, uh, during this time, while the Antichrist is on earth persecuting anyone who doesn't worship him. Let me quickly summarize some of the events that are going on, um, that are going on in this chapter, or in, in this time period. Um, Revelation says a third of the vegetation dies, a third of the fresh water is turned to blood. A third of the sea turns to blood. A third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. Uh, locusts are sent to torment men, which may actually be demons. Um, a, third, a third of man is killed. Um, hell's demons are released. There's wars. There's famines. There's painful sores that will come upon people. Um, all of the sea, eventually, and all of the fresh water uh, turns to blood. Scorching heat that will just kill men. Um, there's complete darkness eventually. There's a great, there's great earthquakes, um, and there's great hailstorms. Sounds like a 
real time to be alive, yeah? Sounds like a party. Um, no, this is devastation like the world has, has, has never seen. The worst in history by far. And remember, the whole purpose, one of, the, one of the main purposes of this tribulation period is to bring Israel back to Jesus, to help them finally recognize their Messiah, um, to purge, remember we read that in chapter 11, to purge and to purify the Israelites, to bring them to a place where they can finally, finally recognize that Jesus is their Messiah. So the tribulation, in a way, is, is, is a period of grace, for Israel. It's a period of much devastation for Israel, but a time where, where God is going to test them so much so that there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a remnant that will follow Jesus, that will come back to Christ. And there's going to be a lot of Gentiles as well, I believe. Um, but the Israelites are finally going to worship Jesus as, as Messiah. And uh, so in the midst of all this terrible time, there, there's hope in these verses. And, and verse 1 says, at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And so in the midst of this worst time in the history of the earth, there's hope for, uh, for Daniel and, and for Daniel's people. Romans 11, in Romans 11, Paul talks about how, he, he makes a statement that all Israel will be saved. All Israel shall be saved. And you're like, what, what, is that? what does that mean, Paul? You know, what does that mean? Well, Daniel defines all Israel here, too. He's saying your people are going to be saved, everyone who is written in the book. What book are we, are we talking about? We're going, to, we're going to see this later in Revelation 20. We're going to turn over there um, in a little bit. But, but he's talking about the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, where every person um, who has put their faith in Christ, your name is written there this morning. Um, and those are the people that will inherit eternal life. Those are the people that, that shall be saved. So during the tribulation, two-thirds of the Jews will be killed by the Antichrist. That will leave one-third uh, that God will preserve and purify for, for the coming kingdom, for His thousand-year reign on this earth. Um, and so many will come to Christ during this terrible period. But, but you think, how are they going to do that? How are they going to... How are, how is anyone going to come to Christ during this period? You know, they're being persecuted constantly. There's wrath uh, coming from heaven. And so Revelation gives us a whole lot more info on how people uh, may, may come to be saved during that time period. Um, see, the church is gone. The rapture's already happened before the tribulation. The rapture's happened. The church is gone. That indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it, it's out of here. It's gone. It's not the same anymore here on earth. Um, the Antichrist is ruling uh, with great, and he's, of course, performing great signs and miracles. Everyone's following him. I mean, most people um, are following Antichrist. If you don't, he's going to kill you. But, but Revelation 7 um, says that God is going to set aside 144,000 Jewish witnesses during that time. And they're Jewish witnesses. It's very clear from Revelation 7 that, that these, are, these are Jews. It says uh, 12,000 from each tribe, each of the 12 tribes. Of Israel, a lot of people will, will uh, kind of think that's figurative or something else, but it, it's pretty clear that they're Jewish people, 144,000, and I, I believe these will be witnesses to.
to Christ during that time. And they'll tell, you know, they'll tell their remnant that they know, and then, then they'll tell others, and they'll tell others. And, and so the, Messiah, the word of the Messiah will, will spread. Uh, Revelation 11 also tells us, and I would invite you to go look at these passages, you know, see this for yourself. Uh, like I said, I'm going to have to overview a whole lot of stuff today. We don't have time to turn to all these passages. I wish we did, um, but we, we don't this morning. But Revelation 7 and then Revelation 11 also tells us of two witnesses that God's going to send to the earth uh, during this time. And they're going to perform um, miraculous signs and wonders as well. And they're going to be speaking of Jesus and giving the world another chance. Here's another chance to accept Christ. Another chance uh, to recognize Jesus as, as your Savior. God is so graceful. You know, even in the midst of His, of his wrath, He is holding out His hand saying, you, you still have a chance. You still have a chance. He's such a God of grace. We, we have a tendency, I think, to look at Revelation and say, wow, how could God do that? But then we see this grace after grace after grace that God extends to His people even during that time. And you know what it says? Revelation says that most people, they, they, don't, they don't end up coming to Christ. Rather, they continue to blaspheme God's name. They shake their fist at God. It says that these two witnesses, um, they're going to be killed by the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to kill them. Uh, they're going to lay dead in the streets. And it says that people are going to send gifts to each other. Can you imagine that? Like these, these, these uh, you know, you can imagine the world's uh, rhetoric going on. You know, these, these hate-filled people are finally dead. You know, these homophobic, bigoted, just not, they don't want anything to do with peace or love. They're finally dead. Thank goodness. Because that's, that's what we get called, right? When we preach the gospel. If you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to get called bigoted a few times. Um, so I, I can just see them now. And then when they die, people are uh, passing out gifts to each other. They're celebrating. They're so, um, so happy. And then it says that God is going to raise these two witnesses from the dead three and a half days later. So three and a half days later, they're going to rise from the dead. Um, and I believe that many Jews and Gentiles will be saved because of that. You know, rising from the dead tends to validate what you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when people rise from the dead, we tend to listen to them. It makes sense. Right? How did you do that? How did you rise from the dead? That's why my conviction is so strong for Jesus. Because he rose from the dead. Amen? Come on. Did he rise from the dead? Yes, he did. And we can have confidence. And he appeared to 500 people. What he says matters. Amen? It's all that matters. What else matters? Who else rose from the dead? Lazarus. <laughs> Jesus did that, though. Jesus did that. Right? Right? These two witnesses, they'll rise from the dead. And I can, ju- you know, I can just see the world. They're passing out their gear. They're in the middle of unwrapping the bow, and then these guys are rising from the dead. And I can just see their jaws drop. What is happening? What is happening? These guys that we hated, these guys that we thought were so, uh, you know, hate-filled and, and uh, you know, whatever. And 
and, and the rising from the dead. Maybe what they said is true. And so I can see many people uh, potentially uh, coming to Christ uh, because of their witness. Uh, not only because of, they rose from the dead, because of their witness while they were alive as well. So because of the 144,000 and because of the uh, two witnesses, I think many Jews and many Gentiles will be saved. Um, and, and, and then, like I said, still others will continue to blaspheme God. We also learn back in Daniel here, um, verse 1, it says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who, who stands watch over the sons of your people. So we learn that Michael, and we really learned this in chapter 10 as well, Michael has some special role with protecting Israel, protecting God's people, Israel. Um, and again, we'll see this in the end times. Now, a lot of people... Um, a lot of scholars say that this is referring to a, an actual battle in Revelation chapter 12 uh, where Michael and his angels will fight uh, Satan and his angels. And so I, we're not going to turn there this morning, but, but um, that may be part of this whole picture here in the tribulation, Michael uh, standing up for God's people. But Michael's going to play a special role in protecting uh, God's people during this time. And I, again, I wish we had time to, to jump into that, but, but Revelation chapter 12, if you want to study that passage, you can, you can see more about Michael's role here in, in, in the end times. And so we see in the midst of, of all this persecution, all this turmoil, uh, there is hope. There is hope for God's people. And the, the angel encourages Daniel that ultimately God is preparing a remnant out of all this for himself that will be saved and they'll be saved for eternity. Um, then in, in verse 2, Daniel receives more hope for his people. And that's going to bring us to our second point, and that's resurrection. So we're going to talk about resurrection for a few minutes. Um, verse 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So there's going to be this resurrection, and we see that this resurrection has two parts. Some are going to rise to everlasting life. Some are going to rise to everlasting contempt. So that's, that's your destiny this morning. You're in one of those two spots. Someday you're going to um, be resurrected. That means your body is going to meet your soul. You're going to have a new body. Um, every, anytime we talk about resurrection, we're talking about the physical body. So when you die, your soul goes one of two places. Your soul goes to be with the Lord, to be absent. Um, here is to be present with the Lord. Um, that's what Paul says. So um, immediately after you die, you go either to be with the Lord or you go to hell, a place of torment, really a holding spot for the lake of fire. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, but that's, that's it. That's, that's your destiny uh, this morning. You're, you're going to end up in one of those two places. As soon as you die, your soul is going to go to one, one of those two places. Later, God is going to raise your body and give you a new glorious body. Some will get a new glorious body for heaven. Some will get a new, a, a new body that can um, endure the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Pretty, pretty bleak, huh? But for Daniel... Of course, this is great news. This resurrection is great news. And for those of us this morning who are in Christ, this resurrection is, is amazing news. It's the best news of your life, people. 
It's the best news ever. The fact that you can live forever with Jesus in a place of no pain, no sorrow, no backstabbing, no deceit, no cancer, no other sickness, none of that, no sin, no Satan. You can live in a place forever in the very presence of God. That's our destiny if we're in Christ this morning. That is something to amen about. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's get amped about that this morning. and Let's leave here amped about that. And let that inform our lives today. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. I do care. But whatever it is, Guys, if you're in Jesus, this is your destiny. Resurrection to eternal life. That's a hope that that can really be an anchor for you in suffering. And some of you are suffering this morning. Um, We were, last time we did small group, it was a couple weeks ago, before we were in the hospital, and and, golly, we're just going around the room sharing prayer requests, and I'm just getting overwhelmed because of the pain that some of you guys are going through right now. Some of the people in this room and some of your family members, some of the stuff that, that, that you're, you're having to endure right now, I feel for you. I, I just hurt for you. And I, I want to take away that pain so bad. And I just want to take it from you. And I can't, you know, and it feels helpless sometimes as, as a pastor, and I don't always know what exactly to say or what, what to do, um, but I just wish I could take that pain. There's just so much pain, so much devastation. Now, some of us have been through a lot of that, and some of us haven't yet, but will. Um, but this is the hope. This is the hope. This is your anchor that gets you through that resurrection to life with Christ eternally. And it'll all be gone. All of this, all of this suffering, all this suffering will be gone. When we look at other passages on resurrection, um, there's actually um, and, and this is debatable, this is not something that's um, that I'll get super dogmatic about, but I believe there's there's two resurrections for believers. Um, and it happens at two separate times. So when the rapture occurs, uh, it says Christ will, will, will descend, and the, the dead in Christ will rise first, right? So all those that are dead after Jesus are going to rise at that point. Their bodies are going to rise. They're going to be given their glorious body, meet their souls in the air, be with Jesus forever. And also those that are living. So if it happened right now, those that are Christians are going to rise and meet Christ in the air. Okay, so that's the first part of resurrection. I think there's also a resurrection um, of the Old Testament saints at the end of the tribulation. And this is what we see here in Daniel. Because this is specifically talking about Israel. This is specifically specific to Daniel, specific to Israel. um, And it says, what time are we talking about? We're talking about the end of the tribulation. After the tribulation, the Old Testament saints 
and the tribulation martyrs will, will, um, will rise. And so there's two parts to that resurrection. And then the dead, they won't rise until another thousand years. So we'll see that when we jump into Revelation 20. So I won't get too far into that now, but, but the non-believers, they will rise too. But it'll be a thousand years later, after the millennial reign of Christ, which we'll talk about. Um, and it will be rise to, to be judged based on their works. And that's not a good thing for humans. Not a good thing to be judged based on your works. Because, guys, we just don't measure up. No, not one of us measures up. It has to be through Jesus. Um, and so this is, this is kind of the, the complexities of the resurrection. So there's, there's several different components here. Daniel can't see that, of course. Remember, Daniel doesn't have the whole New Testament. He's not, he's not in, in, well, I would argue he has encountered Christ in, throughout this book. Um, but, but the physical Christ, you know, he doesn't know anything about that. Um, he doesn't know anything about the book of Revelation. And he's trying to figure out all these, uh, these, these visions he keeps having, having and, and this revelation. And, and we'll see later in this chapter, he's confused. A lot of this doesn't make sense to him. Um, so he can't see this, this, these, three different rev, these three different resurrections. You know, all, all he sees is, okay, well, there's going to be a resurrection to eternal life and eternal um, contempt. So that's, that's basically, we, we fall into those, those two places uh, this morning. You know, uh, Romans chapter 5. I, so I'm, I'm an anxious person. You guys don't know that. I, I struggle with worrying about things. Um, and so one of the things I started doing when I begin to worry is I will just memorize a passage of Scripture. I will just spend all my brain cells on that, then I won't focus on this, whatever this is. And so uh, one of those passages that lately I've been uh, memorizing is, is Romans chapter 5. Um, it says that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and and character produces hope and then it says this hope does not disappoint this hope does not disappoint because God has 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 sealed it with his holy spirit in our hearts so he's sealed us with that holy spirit he's confirmed that hope um, through the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a Christian this morning, that makes no sense to you. It can't. The Bible will tell you it can't. Without the Spirit, you can't understand the things of the Spirit. But as a Christian, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's that, that just assurance of that hope that God can give, bring to you during suffering. That assurance of, man, this is tough, but I, I know that Jesus is who He says He is. I know that He is. I know that I'm going to be with Him someday. I know that this is all going to pass. There's an assurance that God, uh, that God gives us through His Holy Spirit. And that hope is, is in this resurrection that we're talking about right now. There will be no more pain, no more tears, no more tragedy. Um, you know, I want to challenge you to, to allow your suffering to push you into Jesus rather than away. So, so many times we, we suffer and we blame. 
And I would, I would encourage you when you are suffering, just push further into Jesus. And see, just see what happens. Just trust me on that. Tell me what happens. I would encourage you to just push more into the church. Don't run from us. Guys, I don't, we don't always know what to say in suffering, do we? When somebody comes to you and they're struggling with, with something and some tragedy is happening, I don't always know what to say. Do you guys? I don't always have the words or the means to help them in any way. I tell you what, there, there is a, a love that I do have for you. And you know what I can do is I can take that request to the Father and beg on your behalf. That's the church. And some in the church will gossip. That's just how it is, guys. We're people. I would challenge you to take that risk. Take the risk of the gossip. Put yourself out there for these people in this room. And let's suffer together. Guys, it's no fun suffering alone. Don't run from Jesus. Don't run from the church. Press in. And just see what God does with that. That's what He tells us to do in His Word. So let's just trust Him with that. Can we trust Him with that this morning? God will use your suffering, I promise you, if you will let Him. He'll use it. He doesn't waste anything. Things that we're like, why would this happen? This is totally unuseful. Terrible. Why would you let this happen, God? Oh, He's using it. I don't always know why. I don't always, I don't always know how, but I know He's using it for my good. He's using it his, for His glory. Period. That's what the Word says. So all those who have trusted in Christ have this amazing hope. Um, you know, Daniel has heard all of this terrible stuff coming upon his nation, and he finally hears this, this message of, of hope. Okay, it, it's, it's going to be worth it someday. There's going to be this remnant they will follow, and, and they're going to be resurrected to eternal life. It's going to be worth it. And of course, Daniel would fall into that, uh, those Old Testament believers as well. <clears throat> the chapter goes on in verse 3 to talk about rewards. Uh, so that's our next point. Uh, we've done tribulation and uh, resurrection, and now we're going to talk about rewards. So verse 3 uh, says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You know, suffering has a way of kind of reprioritizing our lives. Sometimes we live in this haze and we just, we, we can't even help ourselves almost. We live in this haze of, of everything is about here and now. Everything is about my career, my, my uh, husband or wife, my, my, my kids, my uh, future husband and wife, kids, my whatever. Everything is about now, and it, it, we have this haze over us almost. We can't see beyond. We cannot see beyond. Well, suffering has a way of bringing that 
hope. See, I never, I never really got Romans 5 until recently we've had a little bit of suffering. I never had any suffering, my goodness. Well, recently we've had a little. And, you know, it's not that bad. But it's, it's suffering. And, and I'm starting to see that, that, that hope, how God is working that hope in me. I just I long for, for Jesus more than I did then, more than I did pre-suffering. I long for that, that, that time when, when it's all going to be gone, all of this, all of this, 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 this suffering. Um, and some of you may, may feel that same way, um, but it has a way of reprioritizing our lives uh, to see what's important, and that's this, it's, it's this verse here. It's, it's, it's verse 3 here. Those who are wise, <clears throat> that would be those Old Testament saints and, and those who have put their, their trust in Christ for salvation. So those who have put their trust in Christ uh, for salvation, they'll someday shine and, and display the glory of Christ in our new glorious bodies but it goes on to talk about it it seems like some are going to receive greater blessing in this passage this is those those who turn many to righteousness those are specifically mentioned so those would be what those who turn many to righteousness that would be people who actually share their faith right those who turn many to righteousness so those who are evangelists they're going to shine like the stars forever and ever. So it seems that they have some, um, some greater blessing, greater reward. And I think that's consistent with other, other passages uh, in Scripture. And so, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But some of us this morning are, are Christians, but we are just kind of skating by. Just kind of... Doing the bare minimum, right? There's no real pursuit of the Savior. I'm, I'm going I'm to give that you're a Christian. That's, if this is you this morning, I'm going to let you have that. But there's no real pursuit of the Savior or of, of a spiritual gift or something or of, of the church or, or anything like that. Um, there's no concern for the lost people in, in your life. You know, my concern is me, it's, it's my career, my family, my, et cetera. Some of us are there this morning. We're just kind of skating by. We're going to make it into heaven, but, man, we're, there's going to be a little bit of shame when we get there. And then others of us are daily thinking about how can I, how can I help turn some to righteousness? This verse says, how can I turn some to righteousness? Yeah, you've got school, you've got your career, you've got your family, but all those things are secondary. All those things are secondary to your primary focus of serving Jesus as Lord of my life. Um, Well, we have this hope that 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 eternal focus, that eternal focus, it's not going to be in vain. It's not going to be in vain. Sometimes I think when, when, you're, when you're in that camp, which is the better camp to be in, we, we, we kind of listen to Satan a little bit. Like, wow, we're missing out on all this fun, you know. We're missing out on all this. 
You know, your, your eternal mindset will not be in vain. The Word promises us. We have this hope um, that you're going to be rewarded for that. You know, it's, it's not, it's enough, it's more than enough that God would save us when we deserve hell. But on top of that, it says He rewards us for what we've done in the flesh. So for how serious we really were about Jesus. How much did we proclaim His name? I'm going to give you two passages. We're not going to turn to either because we don't have time. But 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 9 through 11, and 1 Corinthians 3. I want you to read those two passages. They're they're really... um, probably the best passages I could think of, of, uh, of passages that talk about rewards in heaven and talk about um, how when we stand before Jesus, we will all stand before Him. Um, he's going to burn up our works. All of our works, all of our motivations, He's going to burn them. And some of it's going to stick. And some of it's going to be burned up. Every motivation that we have, every every work that we've done. Do we have the right motivation? Are we really doing this to serve Christ? Or or are we doing this for self-promotion? It's all going to be burned up. And what remains, that will be our reward. And there's going to be crowns in heaven. We could could do a whole study on rewards in heaven. And and we've done that at times. But um, we won't do that today. But but there's going to be degrees of reward. Heaven's going to be great for everybody. Okay? But there's going to be some, those who turn many to righteousness, uh, they're going to have a greater reward. I, I just pray that's me. I want to be able to give back to Jesus some of what He gave to me. Amen? You know, He gave everything for me. He deserves everything. I don't want to stand before Him someday and be shamefaced at, at what I did not do for Him. I know I'm a Christian. That's not, for me, that's not a question. But what about my motivations every day? What about my works? What about when I go through 18 drive throughs a week and don't say a word to that person except thanks? Think about the little things, guys. I would challenge you to think about the interactions. Think right now about the interactions you had this week that you, you just blew it. Now some of you had some good ones and probably didn't blow it. Some of, we all probably had some missed ones. I probably had 50. How many people do you come into contact with on a daily basis? How many people, how many of those people, of those people, how many of those people have souls? How many of those people will either be raised someday to eternal reward or eternal content? Every single one. Even the ones you can't stand. I tell you what though, you want them to be raised to eternal content in the lake of fire? Well, you got some heart issues if that's the case. We need to talk. Guys, how many opportunities we have every week. And, you know, I preach this to me first and foremost. How many opportunities are we missing?
to share of this good, good, good news. It's going to matter when we stand before Him someday. Are you going to get into heaven? If your faith is in Christ, He makes you white as snow. Your sin is gone. Man, I, I want more than that. And I think, I think if you're serious about Jesus this morning, you, you want more than that too. I just want to skate by. What are you really living for this morning? Like, just be honest with yourself. What am I truly living for this morning? Be honest. You don't have to tell anybody. Just be honest with yourself and be honest with the Lord this morning. Sometimes it takes a little suffering in our lives to realize that we've had it all wrong. We had our priorities totally mixed up. Man, the Jews certainly, they have and, and are going to go through a period of of suffering too, because their, their priorities are all wrong. They missed Jesus, and God loves His people. He's still giving them a chance, and many will be saved. Verses 4 through 10, we're going to go through really quickly. Um, and this is kind of just uh, encouragement to Daniel and some, some further instruction. But it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Um, so the angel tells Daniel, seal up the words. He's not saying, don't let anybody read this. Otherwise, we would be sinning right now, right? We shouldn't be reading uh, Daniel's book. But what he is saying is preserve these words. Just like a king would seal something. It authenticates it. Um, and so he's saying preserve these words because at the time of the end, everybody's going to be looking for this. Everybody's going to be looking for what in the world is going on. They're going to be looking for, um, for an answer to all this, this chaos. He's saying preserve these words um, Let's move on to verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on, the, one on this riverbank and, and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when... The power of the holy people has been completely shattered. All these things shall be finished. I, 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 I kind of like how that's written there. I mean, it, when, when, I fought, when, I, when the power of the holy people is completely shattered, when they have no other hope, Israel. Because that's what it's going to take for Israel. They've got to be completely shattered. And sometimes we've got to be completely shattered, don't we? Before we get it. We get it and we begin to live eternally with an eternal mindset. Sometimes we've got to be completely, uh, completely shattered. So two, two angels show up here um, and they're asking this man clothed in linen, um, how long is this going to last? And, and in verse 7, I think this man in linen, I think it's the same guy from chapter 10, which at that time we said was Christ. I think this is a pre-incarnate 
um, vision of Christ. I don't know that for sure, but it, he calls him Lord later in this passage. I think that gives another, another hint. But I think this is Jesus here talking with Daniel. Um, and so this is the pre-incarnate Christ clothed in linen, and he confirms to Daniel that this period is going to last three and a half years, a time, times, and half a time. That's one year plus two years plus a half. That's three and a half. And we've been through that in other sections, so I won't go over that uh, this morning. But after those three years, there will finally be this hope, this ray of sunshine for, for Daniel and his people. It will all have been worth it. All the suffering will have been worth it. Uh, verse 8 says, Although I heard, I did not understand. How many times you felt like that reading the Bible? Sometimes, right? Ah, I read it, but I don't know what I just read. Yeah, I'm not sure what I just read. We, we, need, we truly do need the Holy Spirit to interpret this, guys. Hey, we can't do it on our own. We need Him to intervene and show us uh, through His Word what He means sometimes. Um, and sometimes some commentaries don't hurt either, right? Sometimes there's some really good uh, men and women of God that, we, that, that have done it, and so read their stuff. It's okay. Um, but he says, I, don't, I, did, I heard, but I, I don't understand. So Daniel was getting this amazing vision, which we actually probably understand a little bit better than Daniel did because we have the book of Revelation. We have Matthew 24. We have all these things. Um, and, and we still don't understand it that well, Right? There's still some things that the church has disagreed on for centuries about the end times. There's a lot of questions there. Um, but Daniel, he, you know, he is just, uh, he's, he's confused. And so he asks another question. And uh, verse 9, he gets his response. And he said, go your way, Daniel. <laughs> Probably not what he wanted to hear, right? Go your way. I'm not going to answer any more questions. Uh, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. He says, this, this is all you need to know. Verse 10 there. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. That's the good news. Many are going to be purified through this, Daniel. It's going to be worth it. He says, but, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. You know, sometimes witnessing can be really discouraging. Because you have this passion for Christ and you have this joy and this hope and you're trying to share it with somebody and they're just like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, or they look at you with those crazy eyes and, and they're like, i got to get away from this guy. What is he talking about? You know, you know anybody ever been there? Yeah. It can be super awkward at times. Um and it can be very discouraging when you keep throwing out the seed and you don't see anything come of it. Yeah, anybody ever been discouraged about witnessing? Okay, the rest of you haven't witnessed, apparently. Because, I mean, if you witness, you will be discouraged at some point. You will be discouraged. Because uh, you throw out the seed and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. And you, you're doing it with so much passion and love for Christ. And then they're just like, oh, or they're just totally belligerent, maybe, or just totally ignore you, whatever. A variety of responses. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of comforting to know that the Bible is clear that many will do this. It, it's to be expected. It's to be expected that, that the wicked, they're just going to keep doing wicked. But 
some will get it. It says, but the wise shall understand. There's going to be a remnant of that seed, guys, that grows, I promise. That seed that you just throw out, there's going to be a remnant that is watered, and it, you know, is planted and watered and all those things. And, and, and it's going to mature. You may not see it, at least not this side of eternity. But that is why it's worth it. Not to mention Jesus commands you to do it. It's worth it probably even more for that reason. Guys, proclaim Jesus. We, we just got to start doing it more than we do it. Even if you do it a lot. You can't do it enough. Every person is a soul. Every soul is going to be in heaven or hell. Proclaim Him. Many won't get it, but a few will. A few will. And that's, that, that is our hope. That is our, uh, that's our encouragement um, when witnessing. Very quickly, we're going to finish, and this is not something to be very quick about, really, because um, we're going to talk very quickly about the millennium and the thousand-year reign of Christ, and we're going to turn to Revelation 20 here in just a second. But verse 11 says, And from that time uh, that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up. So that is the midpoint of the tribulation period. So three and a half years are done, three and a half years to go. From that time... There shall be 1,290 days. Okay, that's not a number we've heard before. So we're going to we're gonna have to figure that out. And then it says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Again, not a number we've heard before. Something that, that requires um, you know, a, a lot of prayer to understand this. Um, and honestly, I, I can't tell you for sure what this means. I, I, I just can't. I, I don't know. Um, but what we've seen, what we've seen is 1,260 days. We've seen that, right? Three and a half years. It's called three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. It all refers to that, the great tribulation, the last half of the tribulation. So here he adds a 30 days. So it's 1,290 days. Uh, so it's the tribulation's over plus 30 days. What is that? I'm not sure. Um, here's here's what, what some commentators say, um, that this is where the sheep and goat judgment will happen, where God will decide who's allowed to enter the kingdom. Not us, not redeemed people already, but people on the earth at that time. He'll divide them in the sheep and, and the goats. And... Uh, and they'll be judged. That's in Matthew 25 if you want to study that. Um, so that's some suggestion that maybe it takes that 30-day period uh, to do this, this judgment of the whole earth to find out who, who is going to be in, in this millennium. Um, so I don't know. You know that, that seems like a plausible explanation, but honestly, I'm not sure we'll know until it happens what this 1,290 days means. So then it says, Blessed is he who comes to the 1,335 days. So this is... Another 45 days. What does that mean? Um, again, uh, this is just really speculation. And I'm sure speculation backed up by a lot of research um, by these scholars. But 
But uh, the best one I've heard is that this additional 45 days just um, allows for the full establishment full establishment of, of Christ's kingdom on the earth. So Christ is overtaking the earth. Physically, he's going to reign on this earth for a thousand years. Um, and so it takes this 45 days to, to set up that kingdom uh, to get things prepared. I, I don't know, guys. I'm not sure what this means. Uh, we, we will know it when we see it. And, and a lot of this stuff in Daniel, you know, we think we have it figured out, but I think a lot of our eschatology might be a little rearranged at the end times. You know, it's hard to have complete confidence on, on all of this stuff uh, when it's just, it's not, quite, um, it's not quite clear. Just like Daniel, sometimes it's confusing when, when we're dealing with, with prophecy. But those are a couple of explanations. Um, and so that may very well be what's going on. What I, what I do feel confident about is that Christ will reign on this earth for a thousand years. I feel pretty confident about that. And I'll show you why in Revelation 20. So let's, let's turn over to, to Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to end in this chapter. Uh, the angel goes on to tell Daniel that he's going to uh, arise to his inheritance someday. And this is the man in linen uh, telling, telling Daniel that. And I think what, you know, what a comfort that must have been if this is Jesus. For 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 that, uh, for the Messiah to be telling him, you know, you're you're going to come to your inheritance someday. You're going to rest, and then someday you're going to come to your inheritance. That's that's in verse verse thirteen there. But but Revelation uh, chapter twenty. Last week we read uh, chapter nineteen, right, or at least at least uh, part of chapter nineteen, and. Uh, we talked about how the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire, right? At the end of the tribulation. So that's already happened at this point in chapter 20. And here we're going to see uh, the fate of Satan. So what's going to happen to Satan who gives the false prophet um, and the Antichrist their power? What's going to happen to him? So verses 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released a little while. So Satan is chained for a thousand years in a bottomless pit. Pretty good, right? He has no influence at this time. No, none, no influence, no more deception by Satan during this thousand-year period. Okay, what else is going on in this thousand-year period? We'll have to read on to find, find out here. It says, And I saw thrones, and they, set, they, they that sat, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Amen. Praise the Lord on that one, yeah? So all believers, they are, they are reigning with Christ during this thousand year period. Now, we're not given really specific details of what that means, but not only has God saved us, not only does He reward us in heaven, but we're going to somehow reign with Christ in this new kingdom. 
that he has. When he comes back to establish his kingdom on the earth, we're going to reign with him. We're going to be kings. Um, everything you have, everything around, it's yours. It's yours already. You already own it. Why do we want it so bad? We've already got it. Um, we're going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5 uh, says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until that thousand years. That's why I was talking about that gap between the resurrections. Everyone else is already alive and reunited with their bodies. We see that in the previous verses. This is the rest of the dead. And they, they shall rise um, after the thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So again, reiterates. That's why I think this is a literal 1,000 years because how many times does he say a thousand years? A lot. It's, I mean, he's trying to make a point here, I think. This is a thousand year period where Christ will reign on this earth. We will reign with him as priests, as kings, um, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds amazing to reign with Christ, yeah? It's got to be amazing. It's got to be incredible. Verse 6 says, Blessed is he who is part of the first resurrection. Um, that's those that, that have trusted in Christ um, at this point. They've trusted in Christ at this point. Um, and and they're not they're not going to they're not going to to face that second death. That second resurrection is really a second death. It's a resurrection to eternal damnation. And so we'll we'll read about that um, in just a second. Let's look at, at verse seven. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's it. That's it for Satan. There's your climax. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Good ending. So Satan is released for a little while. He gathers the nations together um, for one final attack against God. God easily destroys him. Just like that. One little, a couple of words. And Satan's influence is gone for eternity. He's cast into the lake of fire. Um, that's how much more powerful God is than Satan. Okay, Satan is powerful. He has power. Let's not underestimate him. He is more powerful than, than you and than me. Oh, he is no match for God. He is no match for our God. He is no match for Jesus. Um, just like that, all of the evil for thousands of years, gone. Satan casts him to the lake of fire and it's gone. Um, in Revelation or Revelation 20 goes on to talk about that second resurrection where non-believers in Christ will be uh, raised too to meet their bodies and, and they will have a new, a new body prepared for the lake of fire and they will be cast into the lake of fire um, as well. So 
your destiny this morning is, is, is one of two things. Your destiny is either, either you're going to reign with Christ for, for that, that thousand years, and then you're going to live in this new heaven and this new earth. That's what Revelation 21 talks about. This new heaven and this new earth forever and ever in the very presence of Christ. Or you're going to be in the lake of fire. And it's not going to be because God is so evil. It's going to be because He gave you chance after chance after chance after chance to have your sins forgiven. And you would not. Um, I want to quickly read the, the last few sentences here of Revelation in, in chapter 22. Um, and this is chapter 22, verse 12. Uh, but Jesus is talking and He says, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. Well, that's uh, comforting as Christians. He says, I, I'm coming quickly and, and I've got my reward with me. I'm ready to reward you. Those who have, have trusted in my name, I've got my reward with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates and into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come and let him who hears say, Come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So that's, you know, in the midst of, of all of this wrath, which is coming on the earth. Christ is holding out His hand. He says, if, you, if you're thirsty, just come. Come. Whoever desires, come and drink of the water of life. That is Jesus. Drink of the water of life freely. You can have eternal life this morning. You don't have to keep searching. It's right here. And His name is Jesus one day we're all going to stand before Him. I would ask you, you know, what are you living for right now? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close. And um, you know, Some of you may be here this morning and, and you don't know Jesus. I just, want to, I just want to ask you, if the Holy Spirit is calling on you this morning, if you feel like you need to do something, if you feel like you need to make a move here, I want to ask you, don't, don't, don't push that feeling aside. Respond. And the way you respond is you, you repent of sin and you put your trust in, in Jesus as Savior. That's it, that's salvation. You repent of my sin that hung Jesus on the cross. And I turn to Jesus for my hope, for my salvation that's you this morning, if you say, I, I need to be saved this morning, nobody's looking around, I want to ask if, 
If you'll do me a favor and slip your hand up, and I'll lead you in a prayer to kind of put it into words. All right, as Christians this morning then, what are we really living for? Don't, 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 don't answer that really quickly. Oh, Jesus, of course. Well, is it true? Would your actions back that up? Do you leave here and go talk about Jesus at all? Are you actively looking for people to share the good news with? I'm not trying to shame you this morning. If you're not, let's repent and get on with it. Because we'll all stand before Him someday. We will all stand before Him someday. And we're not going to be judged based on our sin. The cross says, you know, if we're, if we're in Christ, our sin is, is as far as the east is from the west. That, that you can't get any further. He's not going to bring up your sin. But how much of your works on earth, how much how much you stand through that fire? What about your reward? What about just the fact that every interaction is an interaction with a soul? Who, if if Jesus doesn't intervene, will spend eternity in the lake of fire, tormented day and night, forever and ever. That ought ought to be enough to move us to action. I want to just... Just ask you, as we go out into our mission fields, we each have a mission field. That's what's so cool about the church. We all have our separate little mission fields, and then we come together, kind of re-energize, and then we go back out to those mission fields. And we go proclaim. I want to challenge you this morning. This week, every drive-thru you go through, if you're going to go through a drive-thru, you're going to hand out a track, or you're going to say something about Jesus. I got to do that too. Or you could go in the store, talk to the cashier, bring up Jesus. What if we did that with every interaction? I mean, maybe that's not realistic. It is, though. We could. No reason we couldn't. We just don't. How about just. This week, five people, five random people, just try to start a conversation about Christ. Ooh, some of us are shaking right now. Just five random people. That's kind of a lot. It's like one, one per day. You know, weekdays. You can have the weekends off. Five random people. Try to, try to start a conversation about, about Christ. Where do you go to church? It's a good way to start it. And what do you think about Jesus? That's a really awkward way to start it, but it'll get the ball rolling really quickly. I don't care what you do, but, but proclaim Him this week, please, because this is real, guys. The book of Daniel is real. And I pray that this study is, has driven you to the Word of God.
That's us, my prayer for every study, that it would drive you to study this and to obey this. But the prophecy that we've seen fulfilled already, we can have confidence that this prophecy too will, will be fulfilled. And that many, many, many will be apart from God forever and ever. What can we do about it this week? I want to challenge you with that. And I'm going to close this in prayer. Um, and then we, we've got a couple of announcements and we'll get out of here. So let me close this in prayer. Father, I, I just thank you so much for your word. Your word is incredible. We've seen that through, through the book of Daniel. We thank you so much for the confidence that we can have in your word. Lord, it shouldn't be this easy. It's, it's so easy to believe your word because there's so much evidence behind it. Lord, shame on us when we, when we neglect it, Father. Lord, please this week drive us towards your word. Drive us to Philippians. Lord, to get ready for this, this new study. Lord, drive us somewhere to your word, Father. God, we thank you that sometimes you break us in order to bring us closer to you. We thank you that you love us enough to do that. Lord, please give us boldness this week as we go out uh, to those five people. And just give us words, Lord, just give us words. Let your spirit go before us. Who knows what could happen, Lord? It's incredible the way you use the church, Lord, just... Please don't let us cop out of being used this week. Push us hard, Father, by your Spirit. Make it hard for us to resist. Father, I just love you and thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this future hope that we have in Christ. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name.